You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Hey friends, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast. This week, I want to build off of last week's conversation a little bit. One of the things that surfaced as we were talking with Dennis and Micah from Real Life Church is this idea that common initiatives sometimes have the potential to shape culture or to move culture in a certain direction. I've been talking a lot about this cohort over the last few weeks, and I really want to emphasize that this is why the cohort exists. It exists because of this tension that we face as creative leaders. We are executing in our trade. We are seeing trends. We are seeing the way to help a church communicate effectively. But I think sometimes what we don't see when we are either young in our leadership or in some cases have not even begun to grow our leadership is that we don't see how much these influence the movement of our staff, the behavior of our staff, the culture of our staff. We also miss the fact that we're moving our congregation in a certain direction. So a real practical example for this is we push something like an app and we want to get rid of a printed program. That's an amoral decision, but how much of our decision-making is going through the lens of this is a cool new thing, as opposed to this is the most effective way for us to communicate what's happening to the congregation that we're serving. So a lot of times, calm gets caught in these tensions with leadership. The cohort is designed specifically to help address that. How do you grow as a creative so that you can present your ideas more effectively to leadership. One of the things that happens in that process is it reveals your own projects. It reveals your own motivation. And it really helps you adjust. In some cases, it helps you shut down some of the initiatives that you would have otherwise proposed. And when you do that, you're building your leadership, but you're also making it clear to your leadership, your leadership on your staff team, that you are bought into the mission and that is what your trade serves. Communications, worship, productions, the job of all of those trades or functions to serve the mission of the church. So that's really what you're trying to move toward as you grow in your leadership. I'm not advocating that anybody take on personnel, like become people managers or people leaders. I think that's the natural progression for many in their organization and in their growth in their role. But that's not what I mean when I say leadership. I mean really honing in on how you can help support the mission of the church. I want to unpack a little bit of what I've seen over the years. It feels like one of those sort of epicenters of where tension lives with communications. Communication is about informing. It's less about coercion. Something that you'll hear often from me and throughout the podcast, if you've listened to multiple episodes, if you've seen any of the stuff I'm putting out on socials, any of that kind of stuff, or if you have a conversation with me, I will always be an advocate of clarity and of connecting what your event is to the mission of the church. We're stretched too thin and we're not really focused on communicating effectively and missionally when we're talking about our events. So you have things like, hey, we got this men's barbecue. It's going to be an incredible event. Hey, we have this women's event. It's going to be incredible. You really want to come. Bring your friends. What's happened over the years, particularly the last, I would say, maybe five to ten years, there's been a waning interest in that type of event. And I think a part of it is because churches are developing an event atrophy because there isn't a connection to the mission. Help me understand why this matters. 
I have so many options today in terms of how I can spend my time. I can go watch a movie. I can sit on my couch and watch a movie. I think that's the shift that's really been happening. I don't have to get out of my house <laughs> in order to do nearly any activity anymore. <laughs> there's so many options available to us through on-demand services. Obviously, there's live TV. The internet has some options of things to do. If you play games, there's video games that you can just buy and have them delivered right to you without moving. Like. It's just installed on your console or on your computer or wherever you play, on your phone. There's so many other options for attention, for us to put our attention. So why should I be giving my attention to this event at your church? I get that it's at church, but that's not enough anymore. I need to begin to understand more of why this is helpful for me. If I'm connected to a church, there's a chance that I'm hoping to grow spiritually, but if you don't ever answer the question as to why this event matters, then I'm not going to connect those dots because everyone else in culture is doing more work than the church is doing. Here's what I mean by that. Culture, as they try to sell you certain agendas or sell you certain ideas or sell you certain products, they're doing the heavy lifting of connecting the dots. But then when you attend your church and you hear an event from the stage and they say, you should really go, it's gonna be the best. The best what? The best compared to what? What is it better than? Why is it the best? Is it the best because you're giving away money? Is it the best because it'll help me accomplish all my hopes and dreams? Is it the best because it'll provide a job for me? Is it the best because I get a free car? Like, I know that sounds silly because no one would assume that the church is gonna do those things, but a lot of times people don't actually know what the church is going to do unless you're connecting the dots for them. There's a video I put out a couple months ago now, and it's really talking about using your language well. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes and uh, in the description on YouTube because that's really where this conversation goes. It's so important for us to use the right language to help us connect our message to the mission that we're moving forward. The reason I wanted to preface things this way is because it's so important for us as communication leaders to understand that when we develop a system, a process, a methodology for how things work in our team to make our team work better, we lose sight of the fact that it has cultural implications outside of our team. This is a real profound insight that Dennis and Micah brought to our attention. And I, I think this is a very important thing for us to look at because oftentimes when we hear no from leadership, it's because our solutions are too invasive. They're too culture shaping. I had this tension point in my career where I felt like we were never able to get ahead because ministry leaders kept pushing. They it kept getting more and more last minute. And I sat down with leadership and I said, look, guys, there's no way we're going to be able to sustain this. We just can't keep doing this. Can I tell people no? I remember being kind of stunned when I had this conversation because the answer was no. We didn't hire you to tell ministries no. And we didn't hire you to evaluate the value or the validity of the things that they're asking for. We have empowered them to act. And our expectation is that you satisfy the things that they're asking of you. If you have a quantifiable reason as to why you can't, not why you don't think you should, why you cannot, then let's have that conversation because maybe we need more staff. But at this point, we don't have enough insight to know whether you actually need more staff or if you just don't like the projects that you're doing. 
it was a shocking conversation to me because I had been operating for years under the assumption that the communications team was supposed to be the filter for the things going out. So if something's coming out from the church, the communications team was the filter. And when I say filter, I don't mean there weren't typos. I mean, does this event align with the mission? Does this event jive with what we're talking about this week in the service? But when I had that conversation with leadership, it became clear to me that I was assuming something about my role that was not there. And you know what? That's why I hated my job. Not because the job was bad, but because I was trying to operate in a space that wasn't part of my job. And that's a huge mindset shift that you need to make if you're serving in creative ministry. Because you may be expecting your team to be doing things that leadership is not expecting your team to do. So what I was doing, I was saying to the organization, I'm going to dictate the culture here. The culture is one of limitation. The culture is one where you need to get your projects approved by somebody that's not even on the pastoral team, by the way. <laughs> like, okay, why is this person the gatekeeper? It wasn't until I realized that my job was actually to facilitate the accomplishment of these tasks that the job completely changed. And so a couple of weeks ago, I shared my burnout story. And it was really leading up to that burnout that I had this conversation and began realizing, oh, I, this needs to be different. You know, the, the machine had already been moving. The gears were already in motion in terms of leaving. So I started that process. But when I came back to the same organization, my approach was, okay, rather than asking for six weeks out instead of five weeks out, I'm going to ask for one week out, can we do one week? Maybe two weeks. I was asking for less time, not more time on all of their projects. So then what we began doing is we began building a team that was nimble. We began building a team that was able to respond quickly. We began building a team that was hyper proactive on our end, not sitting around waiting for someone else to be hyper proactive to us. We weren't the ones sitting on thrones waiting for people to come and give us everything that we needed. We went out and we got it. And so we staffed our team differently. We approached project intake differently as opposed to a form that other people had to fill out to let us know that they needed something. We were up in their business, not, not in a bad way. Like we would have regular meetings with them. Hey, how can we help you? What do you have coming down the road in the next couple months? That was an absolute game changer for us. And the reason it was is because I finally recognized that I needed to build systems that were in line with the mission. I needed to build policies or practices or strategies that were in line with the mission of the church, the purpose of us being on staff in the first place, and really supported the culture that leadership was trying to build. It's not my job as a creative leader, no matter where you sit in the organization, unless you're senior pastor, it's not your job to evaluate, condemn, or change or augment the culture of the staff. It's not your job. Now, if you have a concern and you feel like it's appropriate to share with leadership, absolutely share it with leadership. When people would come to me as I led the creative team and they would say, hey, here are some of the things that I think are issues, it was always very helpful because I could either affirm that the decision that they saw as bad was actually good, I guess not affirm, but challenge, 
challenge the fact that they say that's a problem. And then I can, I can have that conversation now to say, it's actually a very intentional decision. Here's why. So they begin to understand. Or I can say, man, that's, that's not at all how I want this to be going. Let me make adjustments. Let me tweak things. Thank you for your input. So it really opens up the conversation in a really healthy way. Now, from the leadership side of things, if you find yourself leading a creative team or a creative, and you find that they keep bringing these ideas to the table, my encouragement to you is rather than just saying, no, we're not going to do that. No, that's not in alignment with what we want. Sit down and unpack the conversation. Have the bigger conversation to say, look, I love the idea that you're trying to accomplish, but here are the reasons why this isn't a cultural fit for us. Here are the reasons why this doesn't align with our mission as a church. Here are the reasons why this is a little bit of an overstretch beyond what your role is supposed to be. Because what you can do in that conversation is you can glean wisdom from this communications person who's trying to implement these policies. And what it may do is it may unearth some cultural issues that need to be addressed in the organization. Or it's going to unearth some directional issues that absolutely need to be addressed for your creatives. So if your creatives are trying to march in a certain direction, I see this all the time with trendy graphics. If you have a team that's really pursuing a trendy look as an organization, there's an interesting problem that develops because you're no longer creating work for your church. You're now pursuing an aesthetic, a look and feel. But that may not be appropriate for the people that are participating in your church. If you're a downtown church or a super urban setting or, you know, hip and young and, you know, mobile, great, go, go hyper trendy. But if the average age of your church is 45, you shouldn't be producing trendy graphics. Those are the kinds of things that need to be addressed and they need to be an overt conversation. If there's tension there and if the creative isn't interested in pursuing the mission of the church... By that sentence, I think you know where I'm going. It's probably time for them to find another context in which they can do ministry. They need to find a context where they can get on board with the mission of the church. So those are the kinds of things that this conversation with Dennis and Micah really unearthed last week. And I think it's such an important perspective for us to have. If we're leading teams, it's important for us to help broaden the horizons of those who serve with us, those who report to us, to say, look, I love your zeal but we're not going to be able to move in this direction. I remember having a conversation like this with someone that reported to me. We were going to move down a road. They had a lot of issues with some of the core philosophies of the organization. And at the end of the conversation, I didn't really have good news. I said, sorry, that's just not a priority of this organization. So we're going to need to figure out how to solve this problem, knowing that that's not a priority. How can we solve it a different way? Sometimes those are the conversations that you need to have. But here's the benefit. The benefit is everyone knows exactly where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing. Doesn't mean they love every part of it. Doesn't mean they agree with every part of it. But they have crystal clear understanding on what the organization expects of them. From a creative perspective, recognize sometimes the no that you get from leadership is actually because they see some of the ways that what you're proposing will influence culture at a broader level and potentially in a direction that they don't want things to move. It doesn't mean that your ideas are unacceptable or can't be implemented at some point. It just means that there's a really long rollout that needs to happen. This was probably the part that I appreciated most from our conversation. At one point I asked Dennis, hey, what, what does this look like? Have you rolled it out? And the response was, well, 
we're rolling it out. <laughs> it is in process. And I think there's a ton of wisdom to that. When you make changes that influence the way a culture operates, time is your friend. You can't rush these things and you can't speed them up. So as a creative, as we think that this is the silver bullet that's going to fix everything for us, we have to recognize there's other people involved. And in some cases, the entire staff is involved, or even in some cases, the whole congregation is involved. So change takes time when more people are implicated. If I want to make a decision that impacts only myself, I can make that decision and go. As soon as I begin impacting other people, it's going to take more time. So keep that in mind as you're proposing new initiatives. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.